Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Seepin, and I'm pastor of the Village Church. And across from me is somebody who, I guess before this podcast, I would say was a friend, but I hadn't necessarily gotten to know well. True. But I feel like I've gotten to know you pretty well, and even so much so that you kind of make fun of my quirks. <laughs> uh, so that's Andy, and not Andy Stanley, but Andy Littleton from Mission Church. Yep. So. Uh, and... Uh, Yep, you uh, you may have heard of us, um, and if you have, you're one of ten, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, good for you. Uh, but hey, we're uh, actually we're really thrilled that you, uh, those of you who listen, listen. Thanks for tuning in and caring what we have to say. Um, I've heard that that people from your church like hearing a little more of the raw Eric. Yes, and uh, so that's I, I'm glad we get to. Uh, I, I think it's this is a nice venue for us as pastors to get to just talk and have people sit with us. It's a little different than being at church, and it's nice. So I I enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah. It's a, a thick one, a long one. We kind of – I hope your questions got addressed, sort of. But uh, we're jumping into – there was an article about progressive Christians and atheism and the things they have in common and why progressive Christians often end up atheists, and we're discussing uh, out of that article. So – Hang on tight. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can read it yourself. There you go. Are we on? Eric. Hey, it's good to see you. <laughs> this is, uh, hey, Faith Over Breakfast. It's Tuesday. We always record these on a Tuesday, then we share them on another day. And we are uh, we're at our little uh, little podcast studio. We are. We're in there. We should call it like other podcasts do, like our opulent, our opulent, our opulent podcast Podcast studio. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little opulent. That uh, that, uh, lamp is opulent. You like that? You need a picture of that for our. Okay. Yeah, it's opulent at least. It was uh, it was the most interesting light I could find on Craigslist. That was not expensive at all. You're like a real Craigslister. A real one. I do not do any Craigslist. I've never bought anything on Craigslist, nor have I sold anything on Craigslist. (laughs) I have sold one thing on eBay and purchased two or three things on eBay, but that's the extent of my, like... Wow. Non-traditional purchasing. Wow. This is where we're different. I knew there was... A little, okay. <laughs> there's a there's a few things. There's a few things. <laughs> this is just one of them. This is just one. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we're in here. So we've got these great microphones that I forgot to bring cables for. So right. we're still using the uh, the little blue snowball, which is fine. But uh, but hey, it's cool to be in a space that feels like a recording space. So it's not perfect, but it'll work. Right. I you like don't it. have to wear a head mic anymore. Uh, yeah, you hated you hated that. I did, even though that. we had some good recordings from it. Yeah, a few that weren't because you wouldn't wear it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I got shame you publicly at least. Yeah, well, everybody cares. <laughs> yeah, all ten of our listeners. All ten of our listeners are deeply. But they're avid them. listeners. There's, these ten are loyal, and uh, I mean, there's ten of them, and if they were to give ten percent, we could do this professionally. Like, just oh, you just went there. I just went there. Like oh, it only man. takes ten. Typical. So there's twenty, and I could have full time job podcasting if they really wanted to, like, <laughs> to, yeah. to really hear us speak. 
And we could give him more podcasts. Like every every day. No. I, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I mean, if they're going to pay you $30,000 for a podcast every well, day. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I figured. We, we, I knew there was a number. There's <laughs> That number wasn't that high either. Was that wasn't. It? <laughs> oh, so, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. Met with, uh, met with somebody. You're not my first meeting today. Sometimes you are. Often you are. But today you're my second. And so, I feel all warmed up for... For conversation, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm good. How about you? Uh, Not great. No. I'm in a lot of pain. Oh, what's up? I did something to my back, woke up on Monday morning. Well, I felt it going on Sunday. Really? And it is, you know, just sciatic kind of things. Just all the way down my legs. And so I've been on my back <sighs> all yesterday. Okay. Um. And a little drugged. Yeah. And uh, oh. today I'm... So it's going to be a good podcast. Uh, I'm just on oxycodone. So it's not like a, a big deal. Yeah. Just to try to take a little of the edge off. And I've been doing tons of stretching and icing and heat. And here I am. So I don't know. You might have to pick me up out of the seat. Oh, huh? okay. Or I may stretch on your... your rug here at the end of the podcast to kind of loosen things up but well, you know I'm, I'm i'll pick you up thank you that's yeah. what we're here for that's what we're here, here for. for me it's good I was, so i was trying to pull up this uh you sent me an article i did what from your back i take it yeah well i, well, I was actually you know cozy and sitting somewhere yeah um let's see but you since you texted it to me yeah, well it's from your favorite website my favorite the gospel coalition yeah those are your peeps i like i like the gospel coalition i mean if i had to like theologically place you somewhere i would place you amongst them yeah i think i've done that more than more than like placing you amongst the presbyterians or the except some of them are in there too yeah but they they are they're, they're a little bit more broad than you know they, they allow the non-infant baptizers to join and be part What's this? The Gospel Coalition? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to you don't have to baptize the Oh, you're saying so you wouldn't put me in the Presbyterian <laughs> yeah. specific what? Theologically you you have some Yeah. So so you're trying to relate to me, so you're reading no, the Gospel I, Coalition. No, I thought it was an interesting article. Yeah. You know, but you could give them the title of the article. Well, all of a sudden I can't find it. Hold on. Let me pull it up on my phone. So uh, three beliefs. Whoops. Three beliefs some progressive Christians and atheists share. So when I when I got this review, I was like, is this, uh, you know, knowing knowing Eric Seepin here, I'm like, this is going to be one where there's a chance that Eric's like, oh, this is just really good and really interesting, or you're taking issue with it. So All right. Which one is it? I think it's a little of both. Of course. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think that... Uh, the concept in there is that there's a couple ideas that atheists and progressives hold. One mm-hmm. is about the Bible, that it's not a historically accurate, inspired, sure. um, and divine book. Um, both both atheists and progressives tend to hold that at some degree. Right. It's one of them. Um, but a lot of what the article does is document some more uh, popular individuals and their progression 
out of progressive Christianity, well, from fundamental evangelicalism to progressive Christianity to atheism, like Gunger. Yeah. And... And uh, Bart, Bart, Bart Campolo. Campolo. Especially in, uh, what's her name? Um, Evans. Rachel Held, Held Evans. Evans. Yes. Sure. Some, some of those. But I think like, what, more importantly to me, and I wish that they, she had kind of talked, the, the writer of the article talked more about uh, just how we interact as, I guess we are stuck in the evangelical world, you and I, like as evangelicals in a broad sense, how do we address these and answer some of the questions that she was bringing up or talking about in regards to the struggles that people have with Christianity and with... Because mm-hmm. yeah, I think the questions that, like, Gunger was asking, the con- questions that these people are asking are questions that people in your church are asking, oh, the people yeah, in my church. Absolutely. And if they're not, if we're doing a good job of helping them through those, if they're not asking them, the world certainly is asking them. Sure. Um, yeah, let me <clears throat> let me try to give a little context yes. uh, to our listeners for this article. So, um, the there are two stories that seem to be key ones, and there are videos included in the article. Uh, the first is so Bart Campolo is the son of Tony Campolo, who is a pretty famous um, evangelical leader. But I would say he he was. Um, he, he would never have been put in just your typical right-wing fundamentalist no, he, space. He's actually. probably definitely. Tony Campola was much more prone to social action and stuff. Yeah, and may get-go. even be a little progressive. Sure. Oh, in the a lot of people would say he is. So then, then and I'm not taking any issue with that. I'm just saying sure. it's not like he's, she, you know, or this story is coming out of like, whoa, the crazy mainline Protestants, but... His son did ministry with him and has now um, become a, a specifically humanist minister, which is interesting. Um, so he's um, practicing ministry as a humanist. Um, and there's a movie coming out. So there's a clip from the movie in which he and his dad are processing their differences together. Which So I'm actually really interested in seeing how that plays out um, as they talk. Then the uh, the other one is is Gunger Michael and Lisa Gunger. And so there's a video where Lisa Gunger and th- so these are the the folks behind the Liturgist podcast and the band Gunger, right. and she's sharing her journey, um, their journey out of Christianity, and um, and you know what really struck me I mean, about their story too, uh, just especially from hearing this, and, and I actually have listened to some of the Liturgists. Uh, podcasts and it I kept thinking to myself when I when I would listen to podcasts like you guys came from a you didn't just come from fundamentalism you came from an interesting brand of fundamentalism sure yeah um, and in her her video she's saying she came into uh, the Christian church with her mother into a very a uh, very sort of like hyper charismatic thing that she liked uh, she said. And then immediately, basically, she she met her her husband, who she called kind of a super Christian. And at a very young age, they were leading um, at a mega church. Right. They were basically they had musical talent, and they were platformed, touring touring the world. Here, like I'll just lean toward you're going to lean in. I'll lean toward you. 
Well, you just have the mic. The mic, like, look, the yeah. space, but you're quieter than me. Yeah. You speak quieter. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. When I, there, there, I guess what I walked away from is I thought this, there's the theology here, and I think the article here points out the, the beliefs, right? Right. But what it didn't talk about so much was their story. That's what stuck out to me is there these people's very specific story um, is what intrigues me more than maybe the specific thing. Like, sure, yeah. So, right. anywho, I and mean, she points out a difference. Like Lisa Gunger saw some stuff about pain and suffering, and the the church and the story she'd come from was that God was supposed to take all that away. And the dealing with pain and suffering in her own life and seeing the concentration camps when they were on a tour kind of messed up her view. And the author here contrasted that with C.S. Lewis, who came out of atheism. Right. Um, almost because of the the fact that pain and suffering pointed to, to the fact that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so he concluded from seeing similar things that you needed a God but I don't think he was instructed in the Catholic or Anglican churches. He was influenced by that God was going to fix everything in right. the here and now, right. where the Gungers were. Right. Well, know. and he his his question was, "How do I know what is good?" Like he yes. he began to wrestle with, you know, the only way that he could possibly identify evil was with the fact that he good knew exists. what was yeah, the yeah. good existed, and so that began that journey for him. I, I just thought it was interesting, and what I was hoping we could discuss, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on, is that there are some definite questions that I think we have to look at answering differently than we used to. Mm. For instance, the problem of evil, um, and how it was answered for me when I was a kid in church, and how, I mean, it's not that the answer, particularly when it comes to a truth, is different, but how we talk about it, how we discuss the problem of evil, how we discuss the historicity or historicity of the Bible, what inspiration means, what authority means. Sure. And then also, like, I think the third one that I think is really kind of prominent is that we no longer, like, when Paul is talking about, uh, you know, basically perverse sexuality within the Roman Empire. He is not talking about what you and I are talking about, which is uh, actually monogamous marriages between men and monogamous marriages between women. Right. And in the sense of, so this culturally, at least in the way that we talk about things, uh, and how we help people wrestle with things, understand things, understand God's truth about marriage. Um, I think it has to change. And I also think in fundamentalism that there maybe there is some 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 untruths in the way that we've talked about marriage and the way that we've talked about sexuality, the way we talked about evil, um, and the way, you know, we've talked about the Bible even, that we need to kind of dig up and reprocess and help people understand and wrestle with and kind of yeah. come to the truth of of who Jesus is and, and what the gospel really is. Yeah. I mean, I also want to say that just even from these, this story right here, like the terms evangelical and fundamentalism are very unhelpful. Yes, I would agree. Because even like the Campolos and the Gungers are coming from 
very different church backgrounds than you and sure. I. And so to just label it all under one banner is, right. uh, I think that's, I don't think that helps anyone make sense of it all. No, I don't. I think though, I think, you know, the idea in this is that there's going to be this, at least kind of what Bart composed prediction is that there's yeah. going to be this sort of exodus from people who are younger, younger people are moving from kind of whatever, this yes. Christianity that's more orthodox to a progressive Christianity to atheism that we're going to see this movement. I agree with him on that 100%. And I, I actually, I mean, maybe you don't, but I, I think he's right that we will see that. And so therefore that you're right that we need to talk about things in different ways. Um, but but, you know, what? there was one point where he said in either the video or the article that a lot of the folks operating under the term progressive Christianity, he was saying they have, a, they have left Christianity. They, the, the core tenets that make it what it is are no longer there. And so they're kind of grasping, holding on to something for tradition's sake um, that feels comfortable. And I think he is too, in a way. I mean, why is he a minister? Right, I agree. Why do you, why do you stay? Why do you do that? Like it. I mean, even in the article, it said he was using the methodologies he learned in church um, to promote humanism. Right. Right. But, um, but I mean, I do think he's correct. I mean, I, I've often thought to myself, you know, if I were to. You know, I don't. I don't know why I'd mess around with being a Christian, because um, you know, I know I, I know folks or have seen folks or churches that have abandoned. Like they're okay. So Jesus isn't. You know, Jesus is one of the ways to God, and right. and you know the the nothing. You know, we nothing is inspired at all. And I'm like, if I were there, I just, why bother? Like I don't know personally. I mean, I think there's something about religion that we all like, and so I guess that explains some of it. But I'm like, I don't know that I'd be subjecting myself to any kind of disciplines or if I didn't think that this was like the way to love God because of what he'd done in Christ. Like outside of that, you know, it's hard for me to imagine bothering with any of it and i think i've seen people who did kind of stick in some form of church and then eventually just kind of were like meh right. why well i feel like like because i've sort of lived in the progressive world and, and kind of went down that road a little bit i feel like there are two kinds of progressives there sure. are the progressives who are refuse to give up the resurrection sure and then there's the progressives who have gone past the resurrection yeah. and that, that that stream of progressivism like i can't even talk with like their hermeneutic and how they understand scripture is completely devoid of anything i would have to talk to them about whereas the ones who at least are willing to say yes like i'm i'm kind of wrestling or giving up big chunks of things but i refuse to give up like christ his divinity and the resurrection like They'd be giving up the virgin birth. They're going to give up, you know, the Old Testament as actually being, you know, God or, you know, those kinds of things. At least there's some place to talk to them about things. Not necessarily. uh, It's hard. It's hard, but it's not. So those are sort of the two streams in progressive Christianity that I see. And what do you, I mean, what do, uh, the idea of 
Christianity progressing toward toward what? What is the progress toward? From what toward what? Yeah, well, I, uh, I think if you really got down to it with a progressive Christian, it's just a kinder, gentler, more Jesus-like Christianity is what they're arguing for. But, okay. I mean, that was, I, I mean I'm not, not going to... I have nothing to defend. I think that's what they're just... They're, they don't think that what they would call... I know we have to use these labels. You don't like this, What they would call fundamental Christianity is not what Jesus envisioned. It's not, it's not loving your neighbor. Sure. It's not, um, caring for the poor and the sick and the downtrodden. It's not engaging, um, people. Yeah. And I mean, I guess my assumption that I have about humans and all churches is that none of them are ever perfectly doing what Jesus envisioned. Right. I think they had argued that it's in the theology itself. Yeah. But then, interestingly, what maybe this article is pointing to is that the the result of some of the progressive stuff is that you could very easily be charged with having also abandoned pretty key things. That yeah, yeah. Just, no, I totally... Yeah. I agree so, with that. I guess I mean, we could talk about our, I guess, progressive brothers and sisters... But I'm just curious about actually talking about the questions that were really posed there. All right, and let's, how, let's do that. I mean, because I, I think there, I, I think maybe you and I have some interesting ways of handling it. Because you know, we both let's say we're pretty in the middle of orthodoxy, and but we yeah. look at the world kind of uh, open-handedly in method, mm-hmm. and, and are willing to be creative about how we help people think about things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I would say, and we've said at our church, that we have no, there's no sense that we have that we are some kind of new Christianity. We're not, um, we consider that we are, uh, our hope is to be um, placing our hope squarely in the faith that, that has always united Christians over the centuries. But then, the, the question is just how does that get shared today? So there's met, there are methodological questions that stand outside of the the faith. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's that's how I I tend to think about it is, you know, I have no desire to be a new kind of Christian. Um, uh, I, my hope would be, and I expect to, to be to, an ancient kind of Christian. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, but I'd like to share faith with the the other Christians of churches that I don't completely understand even today. But I sure I don't desire to f- find a new savior, right? Um, I, you know, no, but I and I would hope the same would be of the you know of of ancient churches, not a new savior, right? And I guess like for me, when I think through all those things. The best way for me to think about it, which is probably not the greatest way, is to think about it as hamburger joints. And I, I do imagine that, like, if you think about Orthodox Christianity as Burger King and, and McDonald's, like, there there are these systems, and they produce hamburgers, and, and they're great. But you go to a place, you know, like maybe 
locally like Diablo Burger, and you mm-hmm. go over to Gray's Burger, and you have one of those. There's actually a cost and, and a, you, to, to it, but it actually is, why go have McDonald's after you've had one of those? Uh, there's not, for me at least, I know, you're going to destroy my argument, but there's <laughs> there's something different in yeah. it. And so I would argue that, at least for me as a follower of Jesus, I've been, I want to be in a place where people are like, yeah, this tastes different. Like, I, I need to think about what's being offered here and what I'm being invited into. And an interesting parallel to all that is the question is, what is that taste and why do I like it? Right. So sometimes I like Diablo Burger and Gray's because they make me feel more righteous. Ah. <laughs> they do because I'm buying ethically made food instead of that other unethical stuff. And and the weird thing is being in an industry where I help build out restaurants, um, some of the ethics behind some of the ethical places are less ethical than we'd like to think. Oh, of course. So what what their the pull is to get you to come spend money in their place is to make you feel like a better person. True. Um, True. So so it's in, in also in our Christianity does does this new thing is is the thing that I like about it that it makes me feel like a better person because um, that actually may may feed right into. Um, you know, the, the very thing that the that has broken us apart as humans forever, thinking that we can be moral, that our version of morality is better than somebody else's, sure. that we have moral high ground. Sure. you When you find something good and you experience it as good, you can certainly, uh, and other people are offering the same thing, you can certainly become arrogant because you can feel like you right. found something. But I don't think I that... I do like Grey's and Diablo. Burger. I don't think that negates the fact that <laughs> that they may be offering something very different and engaging in a very different way. Well, I still, I do think it's a good question to ask because sometimes, I mean, the, the, you can, you can get into the same thing for the wrong reasons, right? Like, like something could taste better because it is more like there is more authenticity and there is more, and it's, and it's more perhaps more centered on the gospel and more um, rooted in Christ. And that's a good and that does feel good, and it and there's a reason for that, and it's a good reason because it it honors God and it takes your um, personal goal of righteousness out of the equation, which is quite sure. the relief. Um, and so the the fact that it is a good feeling doesn't mean it's not good. But I think it's a good question to ask: Why do I feel good about this? Is it because it's stroking my ego? Sure. I mean, what you would hope, like, I mean, we can, we can get into this analogy, but like. Uh, you at least have in, 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 let's say, the Gray's model or whatever, you have a deconstruction built in. In McDonald's, you're not deconstructing anything. In Burger King, you're... Well, you they, have they a, once did. Yeah, but you have a system, right? And right. a system that you're that's, that's productive for you and, and you maybe have lost sight of people. Whatever. I mean, so, like, I do think, like it or not, like Mission Church is a graze of the churches. Sure. You no, know, that the village is a Diablo burger of the churches. Some like, new iteration. Yeah. Right. We're something different in the, you know, and people like even people. I've, so here's an example. Like we have a pastor's group here. Yeah. There's a pastor here. You know, number of pastors have bigger churches than you. Oh, sure. But when they show up here, they're kind of like little kids in the candy store. I, I watch them. They're looking at the drums. They're looking at the cool walls. They're looking at, like, right? Because it's something that 
there's something about the artistic part of it that that captures something of their heart. It's different yeah. than what they're leading or experiencing. All that to say, maybe you and I, and we're going to go around our elbow to get to the point of, maybe we have something to say when we talk about the Bible and people begin to wrestle with its authority, mm. when they begin to wrestle with it, what it means for it to be inspired, how you might handle uh, what people who don't necessarily study scripture very much, but experience the New Testament and Old Testament God as different in their mind. Somehow this is a different God. Um, And so how do we help people think that through? How do we think sexuality through differently? Where we're not just saying, this is what it says. Get on board or go somewhere else. Yeah, and because this article, it it identified three things, which are kind of just hot button things like that you know the progressives and the atheists are going to have kind of a what an open view on sexuality Um, they're going to view scripture as not having any you know uh, validity or authority it's more just a something that could inspire you potentially what was the third so we got scripture and we have sexuality I don't remember what the third one was. Is it the existence of God at all? (laughs) I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, I would think, I think the sexuality one is, is actually just a byproduct of the others. I mean, I think there's a whole host of, of issues that if you, if you're saying, you know, what, what the Bible says about how we ought to live in relation to God and each other, if that, if the Bible is not authoritative on that, I mean, I think that would directly impact how we would view all sorts of social issues, um, including ones that a lot of progressives would really like to uphold. Um, but I think it, it, I mean, if there is no normative text for the for humanity as a whole, then the truth is there isn't any reason anybody should abide by anything at all. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, and so, and to take, and philosophers, some, you know, philosophers who are thinking this through know that, that any moral high ground stuff is, you have no right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got to, it's, then it right. just without becomes an external, Without an external authority, you have no right yeah. to say anything. Right. You can say this is probably better for our race. And the question sure. is, how much does that matter? Right. Well, yeah. It becomes a selfish thing. It does. Do I suing like pr- you know protecting my interests and my comforts yeah. and my? It's just a worship of self that we get down to. Yeah. But I'm just curious. Like, so if somebody's it's like, hey, like I I'm reading through the Old Testament, and I've got a number of people in my church who are doing this mm-hmm. for the first time in their life, and some of them who've been in the church for a long time, and they're starting to like really read it in detail, like mm-hmm. really think about the events of, you know, Genesis yeah. <laughs> through the prophets, and they're going, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? You yeah. know, and they're wrestling through Levitical law, and they're like, and and they're having a hard time. Sure. Reconciling, you know, what they've been taught sort of in the Sunday school, given the Sunday school Jesus and the yeah. and sort of the, in some ways what I would argue, like a, a cheap grace, you sure. know, seeker-sensitive kind of. yeah discipleship all their life yeah or kind of a strong fundamentalism that's just kind of rule 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 yeah like they're trying to reconcile all of this and it's like not making sense to them yeah like they're having a hard time maybe in the minutiae 
Mm-hmm. Less in the bigger story. And, yeah. And the, it's like, what is God doing right here? Why is he doing this? This doesn't seem to line up with what I know about God. Right. How do you kind of begin to talk through things like that with people? You know, I don't have this great plan. Um, I mean, we... Oh, of course you don't. But like, just... We <laughs> did... I mean, we spent the last year in the Pentateuch. And, and uh, I mean, I think we we didn't shy away from some really hard and confusing ideas that were there and but we we continually you know showed that i mean what and it was easy like to show that this is exactly what the new testament is saying um and fleshing out like the the fact that you know there's there are judgments um at the hand of god and that's so hard to stomach right um but i mean that's precisely what jesus is saying that i mean he he didn't you know, he, he spoke of it more than anyone in the Bible, especially the concept of hell itself. Um, and so now we get the fighter jet coming over us, speaking of judgment. Yeah, this, this may this be ominous the... sound in the background. Maybe um, the harder part of your podcast studio is you're going to have to schedule events. There's There are hours that will be less expensive because of... <laughs> really. The podcast. Because of these jets. If you can live with the jets, you get a better deal. But, um, but yeah, I mean... The, you know, Jesus is not coming into this like sweet world and fixing it all, right? Um, and he's and he's definitely warning of the wrath to come. Um, and so we're saying, like, look, you know, this like Jesus was so adamant about the kingdom of God, and he was so adamant about um, our need um, to to be reconciled to God and he was adamant enough to take the judgment of God upon him you know, squarely upon himself because it's a thing um, because it you know and, and so he's not disagreeing with the Old Testament he's he seems to be agreeing with it so and then we did in our small group we did judges and, and we worked through I mean here's I mean what is judges but the disintegration of a culture I mean where the the level of faithfulness to God decreases and decreases and decreases. And so what it's showing us is that we do not keep the laws we should and we do not like even even when you've been given a new land and you've been sure. you know given a the presence of God in a temple. Um, and so but Judges is pointing to there must be a hope that comes from somewhere else because right. it's not coming from us. Right. And and so when you read Judges as like a morality book, I mean, I'm sorry, that's I mean, that's a sad thing because it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work for them. And so if you're reading it trying to find morals to live by, like what you're going to find is morals to fail by. Right. But if you're looking for the God that's going to redeem extremely broken and rebellious and idolatrous people, then then you find a beautiful thing in there. So that's... So how do you yeah. kind of deal with the... Uh, you know, a question of Joshua. Sure. Extreme genocide. Right. Um, of, of children who are not, you know, what, what someone would argue are, are, are being killed. They're not, they're not agents. For sure. Per, per se, like in the world. And, and that's just disruptive and, and hard for people, you know, kind of for the modern mind to adjust to that, that God is saying, there are these people who are wicked and I'm calling you into this land and you're going to wipe them out sure. and their animals too. Right. Like that's, right. you know, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have this great, like I get to say, hey, like, look, you know, they, because these people descended from so-and-so, and so therefore it's just all fine. I mean, I've heard those kind of explanations. Right, right. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, I would say, at least say this, like, you got to wrestle with that no matter what you believe. Like, people are doing are you know, there, there are death, there's death by disease, there's death by war, there's death by all of this. And so there, you have a couple of options. If you, if you're going to believe in a God at all, and that God has any form of control at all, then all of this is sort of happening by the hand of that God. Um, and so that, that is a conundrum. That is a difficulty, um, that this God, you know, even created a system with a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, like that, that's, that's just a hard thing. Sure. And so I don't want to pretend like, like just the Joshua narrative is what makes that hard. No, no, it's just one that people wrestle with often. Right. And so and so then then the other question on the flip side of it, so let's say there let's say there is no god and it, this is just this is just us following our instinct to survive. Right. And it doesn't actually mean anything existentially. It doesn't there's no meaning to it. Right. That then then it's not a tragedy right and so then there's actually there's actually no possibility of any justice behind it there's no possibility of any will or rationale um, and I, to me that that's like the fact that God has a will that I do not understand and the fact that God has a rationale that I do not understand is hard for me right but it is less it is less difficult for me than the fact that there is no meaning to any of this. Right. And that this is just instinct working its way out and that we have all this moral frustration that actually is completely off base. Right. So I, to, to me, we have two major problems here. And I, so I don't understand um, everything behind how God does decides who gets to live and die via war, via disease, via I do not. Right. Um, well and I think this is the harder so right, this is the harder question they brought up in this article in the article or read is the sovereignty of God is what most people begin their process of descending away from Well that was for Bart Campbell. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's you know, when I sit with people in council, like People can come to terms with so many other things and understand where Jesus works, but what they have such a hard time with is in their own suffering and the suffering of people around them, they keep asking, even if they know the quote-unquote answer, sure. why can why does a good God allow such deep pain and suffering? Yes. I um, and I think part of this, and this is where you know it was so hard for me to kind of step in to the reformed world, particularly the Calvinist world, is that a simple, like sometimes the understanding of sovereignty is not, and the way it's explained, not necessarily the way it's understood theologically, but the way it's explained is not comforting. Sure. And it's not really, because it doesn't really explain God's presence in the midst of all of those things. Right. And how my will does have 
a way of interacting with God's presence and will in all of this suffering. Right. And when we can begin to kind of wrestle with God being in our suffering and God suffering with us, and we can, like you said, place at some level aside this God who created, like, like I don't understand mm-hmm. from the tree to Joshua to, to yeah. so much of the narrative, yeah. even in my own life. Um, but without God and without his presence right. in the midst of my pain and suffering, uh, there's, there's no meaning. There's right. no, there's no point. Right. Like for me, it's it, like, it if, really isn't. Yeah. I, I do stand with Paul kind of in the, the New Testament sense of if there's no resurrection, like I should be pitied beyond like oh, yeah. the worst of society, the, the most, you know, abused and because I'm traveling down this road of stupidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like I feel what is new and maybe not new in the sense of it's not been talked about before, but Maybe the younger generation, pastors like you, are trying to bring God's presence into people's suffering, beginning to like try to pull that veil back and really show in a relational sense how God's sovereignty works, not necessarily in some like linear, you know, foundational, like this is just how it is and you got to subscribe to it and you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, somehow everybody wants to talk to me right now, it seems. I've had that experience. Isn't that weird? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is like, it's Tuesday at 8.30, let's start People calling. It's time <laughs> to call. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we've definitely spent a lot of time emphasizing, and you know, in our, in our small group, we did Old Testament, we did Joshua, and we did Proverbs. And the question I all, or sorry, Judges and Proverbs. And the question I'm always trying to figure out that for a small group, I don't do this whole, like, I've got to study, I'm going to teach you. It's more like we read and we, I like to hear people process. So I don't come in with this, like, authoritative sure. plan. But um, the question is always, you know, what, what is what is happening here like can we see can we see Jesus in this how do we understand this through the lens of the fact that God entered into creation you know because that changes how you read the proverbs that changes how you read you know Joshua cuz cuz if if you see yourself in if if what you see when you read Joshua is you know what the place I'm in in relationship to God is I am a Canaanite. Um, and, and you know, this is like we're back to the garden now. Like I am um, even in my quest to know why. Like we just got into this in our last sermon. Like what's the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve want? They want to know why. They, want, they don't want to just know. Um, they don't want to just say have God say to them, this is the way right. they want to know why. And I deeply want to know why. So when I, when I look at that narrative, I'm, I'm going, Oh, I'm them. And so then like, and then if Jesus is right, that when I've been angry at my brother, it's as if I've killed him. That means I'm not able, I'm Cain. And sure. then that means I end up being a Canaanite. 
And that means I end up, you know, like I, what I, what I am, I am on the run from God. I'm alienated from God. I don't belong in the land. And so Jesus is what he, what he's doing is he's standing in, in front of Canaanites like me taking on the, the judgment of God. He's, he's, he's the one taking the, the sword of genocide. He's the one, um, and, and who killed him? You know, we did. Right. And now I, I get though. So, so that then when you start to see it in that, like, this is trying to show me what Jesus is doing. I get that those are still historical events though. I do. And I'm, and I'm not saying that makes that easy or fine or, or anything. Um, but, but I mean, when you start asking those questions and you go, so those historical events are showing us that we as humans are not good. We're disintegrating our society, just like ha- what happened back then. Um, we really are the pollutant, which is what I, th- I think I hear that on, I mean, on national public radio over and over again is that we are killing this, this world. Sure. And, and I feel like the Bible is saying that too. And that like, what we deserve is to be, you know, for the world to be washed clean of us. Uh, you know, another flood would do the world good. But the fact that that's not happening is, is all because of mercy. Um, and what I, what I struggle with the most is like, I just wish everyone saw that. I wish everyone, but they don't and they didn't. Right. They never have. Well, and I think go back to your garden illustration, or it's not just that people want to know why. I mean, the thing that Eve and Adam are tempted by, at least Eve, we know for sure, is that there's a sense that God is holding out. It's not just yes. why, that he also knows something, like he's not telling you everything. That was a layer of, there was sure, more to the sermon, there are multiple, but yeah. Yes, there but are multiple there was, layers of that. There's, there's he, he doesn't have my good, there's something good he's keeping from me. Sure. Right. Um, and it looks good to me and I want it. Right. Right. And then I think in Adam, I mean, what we went into yesterday was that in Adam, you see that to walk with God is chaotic and fearful. And I, and I don't want to enter into that. And then once I failed God, I don't trust that God can heal me. Sure. So I must fix this myself. Sure. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the car. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot going on. And, and, and when you talk and you're talking about your kind of way of understanding scripture, you're talking about a, a complex understanding of yep. scripture's authority in your life. Sure. And how it, it can authoritatively work itself into your life, like how the spirit of God uses it. I mean, as you're even, you know, kind of, laying out the way that Jesus stands in for us as canonized. Like these are complex ways. Sure. Of, I get it. Uh, yeah. That, it's not, it's not just a, you read it cursory and, and most, well, even and just the like idea that like, well, you know, it's, does that really address like, are we ever going to have a, a, a way of satisfactorily answering like why a good God allows evil? Well, yes, but it's not going to be, a, a really simple, a good God allows evil 
because, and then you get, yeah. you know, and by satisfactorily, you mean right. uh, an answer that just clears it up, and we all feel, good. and makes every situation make sense, right? It's not, a, it's not a fifth grader, th- you know, three word answer. Yeah. A good God allows evil because, and then you get to put your three words in, yeah. and get it, get a check mark on it. Um, that's, but that's kind of the frustrating part of what I feel like atheists and progressive Christians present often are these little talking points that they keep beating as a drum um, that really aren't true and kind of deny the complexity of humanity itself and also of a deeper understanding of... What are a couple of those you've seen? Well, I think they were in the... the, the, Obviously, the one we're talking about, the problem of evil. I I think What's What's the solution in progressive Christianity? I don't know that I've... For problem of evil? Heard one. Well, I mean, first they, they, I mean, so sovereignty is the first thing that goes. The second thing is atonement, right? Sure. Because oh, that's, the, that's the other one she said. Atonement. Right, atonement, right. The angry God yeah, taking less, his wrath out on Jesus. Yeah. Like, right. if it's, and, you know, there's a lot of, that's, I mean, that's really where progressive Christianity has struggled is to deconstruct probably the most important part of Christianity, the cross itself. Right. Because um, if that's just if if uh, if that's just Jesus being a good example, right? I, yeah. I well, then the Iron Giant was a great example, and yeah, there are lots of great examples. There are lots of great examples. And yeah, he's just following in a long line. The guy, the guy examples. at Safeway that stepped in front of the the shooter was doing something was doing something as profound as Jesus. What he did was profound. Never argue that. No. But but was it as profound as what Jesus did? He just was showing us, here's how to love. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying he wasn't showing us how to love, but was that all? Right. And so, because the angry God is a big one that the drum keeps getting beat on. It's like the, the well, old. but here's the thing. Like, if God's not angry, what business do we have? Like, why would we want him around? Because every progressive Christian is angry about the concentration camps yeah, and angry about destroying the environment and angry about the fact that, um, that, you know, the sojourners aren't being cared for and are being rejected and sure. angry at all the ways that fundamentalists, you know, silence people. So if God isn't, doesn't care about any of that. Right. I mean, I think they all think God does care about that, which means he's angry. Yes. But, but his anger moves to, violence and then he you know and that uh, I think that's partly what they struggle with is is the violence of the Old Testament and and they also so so there's that and then there's the historical so I'll tell yeah. you to tell you why this article is interesting to me is to tell I'll tell you a little story so I went to Bookman's a couple of weeks ago um, looking for a book that I could sit and enjoy over as we talked earlier in a few podcasts like my foul yeah. I'm going to find a book to just really enjoy. And I found this book called Zealot. Yeah. This was on the number one bestseller list. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. I've heard about it, never read it. I opened in the middle of the book and I just read a few pages. Extremely compelling. I yeah. was like, wow, this is really cool about the life of Jesus. And it's kind of from this, you know, this religious professor is probably not a Christian. So this is fascinating. I want to read this. So I, you know, picked it up. And read the first few chapters, and I was angry for because 
even though you look at the back of his book and he even, you know, cites N.T. Wright and some other, you know, conservative scholars and things like that, historically, he he just, he butchers Hmm. the Gospels. He butchers what, just as, I'm like, I I am not, I'm not a historian. I know that what he's saying just isn't true in the way that he's building things out. Hmm. And I got so angry. But it's, it's this kind of deconstructing Jesus with inside the narrative, making arguments about like what was actually going on in the first century, and and sure, the, yeah, like basically saying and look there have like, been a lot of these throughout the centuries. Yes, let's yeah. divorce Jesus uh, from from really where he's at, even though you're saying you're not, and right. uh, it's just frustrating. And so, like, I don't know, it's like a watering down of the effectiveness of the gospel and what Jesus is doing and who he is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will give the book credit that he, when he came to the resurrection, he was willing to say that it's a historic conundrum and any historian has to deal with it and can't say it didn't happen. Huh. Because um, people did say that it did. Yeah, and there's and you enough. You can't just say no, right? There's yeah. enough historic markers, but still, when it comes to resurrection in history, like what are you supposed to say? This guy rose from the dead. Like that's a hard thing for. Him. Well, the whole it's scientifically impossible thing is it used to be very strong, and now it's not because I think people in the scientific community are starting to acknowledge that sure. the possibility of things um, isn't as cut and dry as they thought. Right. So that that changes that. Now you have if somebody says it happened, you can't just as easily say no, it didn't. Right. Yeah. The only one I mean at the end, like that really frustrated me is he basically his argument was, okay, so the the gospels and including John to so the, the synoptics and John were written so much later that they had this they understood all the arguments that were going to come oh. at Jesus's resurrection, so they just placed all these things into the. The narrative to say, well, see, there was a soldier by the tomb. See, like, you know. So they're, they're, the assumption is that these guys who, for, you know, every historian I think would say were actually fishermen, um, they got out ahead. They, they strategically planned a religious movement so effectively, um, you know, they became social scientists all of a sudden in the modern sense. Right. Uh, they went from fishermen to ingenious social scientists. In Extreme academician. Yeah. Like, yeah, and with abilities to persuade people for all yeah. of history. Yeah, it just got frustrating. So some of that, too, is like, I don't know, irritated me a little bit in that <laughs> process. And so this article, like, it concerns me because of the way people understand information now. Like, we listen to a podcast and you read a blog and you change your life. Yeah, no, it, it's wild. I mean, I, it's weird. We're doing a podcast, but can we just say it? Like, please don't change your life because of what, like think and like go research, d- read books. And cause you can find a podcast that will tell you anything you want. Right. And you can find a blog like, Oh my goodness. You know, I, somebody had sent me some on the sexuality question. that was like, a, here's a video of this guy explaining, this and it's like well yeah but i can send you a video of somebody explaining it another way it, it can't just because there's a video i mean i guess it used to be like to make a video you had to have a million dollars and a very very good idea you don't anymore no all you need is your iphone and a selfie stick right you know and so 
Yeah, just oh, man. So, but in that age, yeah. like we can't just say, oh, because in no. some ways we sound like old fuddy duddies. We're like, oh we my gosh, ah. back in the day, you actually had to do some research to say something important. And that doesn't mean that you weren't wrong back. I'm just saying it was harder to be platform, and now anybody can be platform. Right. So you got to right. be very discerning, right? Which brings me, I guess, why I thought this was interesting is what brings me back to like what our pastor conversation was about and the video that you sent around about basically churches, to make it really short, churches creating a culture that actually counters the culture. Right. That it's so strong that it gives people the capacity to interact with their culture. Yeah. And, it, and when it pushes against their faith and when it pushes yeah. against and into their doubt, like they understand how to, to – speak to it and to to live in it and to wrestle with it and i think maybe and at some point we could talk about that even we as should. what it looks like to well and then i mean and i see we gotta wrap this up yeah. soon but i see in the stories and the videos and here these folks i mean bart campolo was raised on the the preaching circuit in big yes conference world right and uh and the gungers were you know shoved into leadership of a mega church when they were 20 something and really they were out touring leading everybody and putting their hands in the air singing they hadn't been formed right they had not been discipled um and like so i i think that is a huge i mean i I don't want to say that's all there is to it they don't have valid thoughts that's not what i'm saying at all but i'm just saying like we gotta you know the the big box um you know, consumer faith thing is not working. You know, we got people need to be known and shaped um, and invested in. That's something I came away with. I thought, I don't think these, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think these folks, there are layers to why they walked away and it wasn't all just doctrinal. Yeah. No, it's, it's a story. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe what you and I, do is let's talk let's have a series of podcasts next year about just what it means to be formed what it looks Mm -hmm. like to be discipled like what a disciple looks like and and just kind of talk through um how you would become a follower of jesus in community and how you know what your life might look like what kind of fruit you might bear in that process all right well that's it thanks for joining us Kicking it out, kicking us out, huh? You're kicking me well, out. We're going on an hour here, my friend. Wow, that's a good podcast. It's a, a good one. <laughs> so, thanks for joining. Hope it was uh, just listening to us talk is of some form of help. The, the idea of this podcast is we don't plan this, we don't script this. This is two pastors just talking, and uh, you get there's a couple empty chairs here at the table. You get to pull one up and uh, hang out. So, hope you enjoyed that.